On the 5th of November 2018, two buildings collapsed on Orbain Street in the heart of Marseille. The accident claimed eight lives. Four years later, in the city of Lille, another two buildings fell to the ground in a busy shopping district, killing one person. In France, it's estimated that somewhere between 450,000 and 600,000 homes do not meet health and safety requirements, and as such, represent a danger to those who live in them. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of France in Focus, which today looks at the issue of poor housing conditions in France. Well, I'm in the heart of Paris, and as you can see just next to me, there's a building that's in danger of collapsing. Now, across France, hundreds of thousands of people live in accommodation that's deemed substandard. Our reporters, Julia Guggenheimen and Jonathan Walsh, headed to Marseille, four years on from the tragedy on Aubin Street. It's been over four years, yet the gaping hole on Rue de Bagna remains, reminding passers-by of the tragedy in which eight people were killed. Still, life goes on amidst the empty condemned structures, but the risk remains. In this building, which has been declared a dangerous structure, a family is still waiting to be evacuated. This resident was willing to show us the state of her accommodations. We've been suffering for a while, and our procedures are long. There was a big crack there. Now there is water flowing and it's very cold. There is water flowing everywhere. Getting all Marseille's residents into safe housing is a monumental task. 7,000 people have been evacuated over the past four years, and still around 20 families are moved out each month. Sabrina left her old place a year and a half ago. There was no work done, not even a nail pulled out. It's a building that is completely run down and overrun with rats, mold and exposed electrical wires. When she moved into this one-bedroom apartment, she had no idea the building was already the subject of three security orders and that renting there was prohibited. Alerted by town hall, she stopped paying rent to the owner who was then required to finance temporary accommodation for her while her apartment was fixed up. From that moment, my life became hell because I stopped paying rent. He absolutely wanted me out. Insults and threats. They put glue in my lock. They cut my electric wires twice. Sabrina also received anonymous calls. Harassed and threatened, Sabrina then spent 15 months in a hotel apartment on the fourth floor without a lift with her disabled daughter. Either she had to climb them with me, I'd carry her on my back, she's 40 kilos and I'm 42, or she had to climb the 80 steps, she counted them on her rear end. With repeated reminders, Sabrina finally obtained housing adapted to her situation from the city. But it's bittersweet. She was never able to retrieve her belongings from her old home. Everything I own is here. He kept everything I had at the apartment. Beyond the material objects, it's the photos, children's drawings. Those are the things that are irreplaceable. Unlike the owner of Sabrina's place, some agree to make the necessary repairs, like at Zad's apartment. 
The work was carried out last year, but done quickly without measures to protect his space, which is now infested with rats and mice. You need to have gloves here because the mice droppings are very dangerous. At the top is the mezzanine. It's become the mice's bedding. The mattress has holes in it. There must be some dead mice inside the mattress and the cushions and comforter. With the work completed, the dangerous structure order was lifted. Zad had to leave the hotel paid for by town hall and return to his apartment. The person from the Marseille town hall said it was totally livable and that they were concerned with the building structure and not its cleanliness. She stayed like 10 seconds, then said, no, I'm not staying here. There are mice. How can this person leave because there are two or three mice running about and then ask me to stay here with my three children? An intolerable situation for this divorced dad who now finds himself homeless. I'm looking for a hotel to spend the night. I'm not going to ask to sleep at someone's place every night. Because of this, I can't see my children. I see them very rarely, unfortunately. It's very hard on the morale. It's turned my life upside down. When the owners don't do the work or they botch it, the local government sometimes takes over. Here it was necessary to buy the dwellings and kick out the slum landlords to launch this titanic project between demolition and renovation. On the day's program, a guided tour with an elected official who shows us a model apartment. Here it's clear that we can make apartments that are comfortable. It shows that out of these old materials we can create well-made accommodation in the city centre that's convenient for everything. On this block, 135 social housing units will be built. In Marseille, more than 2,650 homes need to be torn down while the renovation of around 3,400 others is on track. Promising numbers, but still a far cry from solving the problem of 40,000 slums, where one in nine Marseille residents live. First, we're going to encourage private owners to carry out the building renovations themselves. The public authorities are not meant to become the owners of everything. Renovation is important, but so is creating social housing. This is what the left-wing municipal team elected in 2020 is proposing. Marseille has substandard housing because for years the city has built little to no social housing and not in any areas where it was needed, while continuing to build in areas where there was already a surplus. This year we must be at less than 800 social housing units, whereas a city like Marseille should be producing between 1,500 to 2,000 units each year. In November, Marseille's town hall obtained an important victory. Any building with more than 30 units must now include 30 percent for social housing. A significant step forward for the city, where one in four inhabitants live below the poverty line. Kevin Vacher, you're an activist against substandard housing. How did we end up in a situation like we saw in Marseille with the collapse of the building four years ago and then not long after in Lille? 
First, these buildings had been marked as problematic for the past 50 years. Everyone knew that public authorities and property owners didn't manage the city center properly. There had been conflicts between the owners for about 15 years. The owners and the property managers were in default and are now being examined in court, so we should have some answers. And also, as an important backdrop, public authority was weak and the former town hall refused to act. You touch on politics there. At the time of these building collapses in Marseille, uh, Christophe Castaner was the interior minister. He promised a, a type of audit to look at, uh, you know, poor living conditions. That appears that it wasn't necessarily done. Are we to imagine that there are more buildings that could collapse at any time? I would say no, because the panic it can create to have this kind of discourse is dangerous. Of course. Politicians feed on it, and it doesn't allow for good administration. Today, only the associations try to shine a light on the problem. We need a major public action plan, a public service capable of anticipating and identifying problematic situations and inspecting each of our lodgings, yours, mine, and perhaps carrying out structural inspections every five years. That's what we're proposing. You're part of a citizens' collective that's called uh, Our Voices, Our Lives. Uh, what are the, some of the concrete measures that you'd like to see uh, happen to fight against poor housing? We're proposing a Rodobagne law named after the street where the buildings collapsed. It would have several different elements, such as to ensure that local administrations can act when there are problems, to ensure monitoring of the real estate profession because we can't let the market regulate the fundamental right to housing. This bears repeating. Housing is a fundamental right. We should plan the economy so that the reconstruction and renovation sectors can be ecologically and socially active and can be part of this great social and climatic challenge. We've spoken again about this need, this dire need to maintain buildings, to make sure that they are in good working order. Climate problems are also an issue. For example, in Lille, uh, the soil can move, uh, the soil can move, shrink uh, or expand depending on what the weather's like. Is there a way to combat that? The administrations, the state, the local authorities aren't analyzing the soil and therefore aren't anticipating the development of the land. We also have this problem in rural areas. Insurers tell us that they have tripled their insurance premiums in recent years to deal with problems of shifting ground, cracks, etc. So the problem is not recent. It's a problem of political inaction, of not anticipating land use planning, and it's a problem that will increase with the climate crisis. The Mediterranean is experiencing episodes of climatic extremes, major droughts and major floods with soil and buildings that are no longer able to withstand the changes. And then we also have to prepare the economy of ecological transition. How do we obtain the means, the training of engineers, workers, architects, etc., to deal with hundreds of thousands of homes that will be in danger? Kevin Ivashi, thank you very much for speaking to us today. Thank you. And thank you to you at home for watching. You're up to date with this week's edition of France in Focus. See you at the same time next week.